Hey everybody, welcome back to Revive School and we are going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 3 and 4 and lesson 27 and um, after Joshua and Judges, Ruth, 1 and 2 Samuel, we're going to start in chapter 3, but anytime I'm in the Old Testament, I want to reference something and uh, let uh, our scripture man go there, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 11, and it says this, and it's talking about, it rehearses a number of things that happened in the Old Testament, and it says, now all these things happened unto them, so that, for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. So here's the idea. The Old Testament it's, it's a different covenant. The Old Testament is something that, um, yes, we read it historically, but there's something that we're supposed to get out of it, and it's something that should be paid attention to so that what we get from it is speaking into the day we are. I, I, I look at all of the, the backdrop of these things and I'm going, okay, God, God needs to restore an honor and a priesthood so that there is a system of rule and government of God in place that is going to command the respect of the people, that's going to show the power of God, that's going to work diligently to lead His people who are destined to go through you know, the generations of all these things. And yet you find yourselves at a crossroads here to where here's the high priest, he's old, He's fat, he's blind, and you're looking at this going, okay, what's going to happen now? And, and the, 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 the children are completely out of order. And so we come into a place where, and I, I like this, and I, I wrote this down as a matter of fact in my notes, this is a place where you're looking at what, what's God's going to do? What, is it, what can he do? What, how do you, when you get into a situation like this, what can God do? To work these, this thing through. And so in, in 1 Samuel chapter 3, there's a part of this that is very, uh, instrumental in understanding this. These are dark days in the ministry. It says the word of the Lord was precious. In other words, the word of the Lord was actually rare in these days. There was no open vision. Why was there no open vision? Because you're looking and going, who's gonna hear? Who's gonna see? The priesthood is broken. The old priest he doesn't have the energy for any of this anymore, and he's supposed to be looking at this and working this through for the people. And and I just I, I want us to just look at the situation from where they are, and then if we transfer over into Hannah and Elkanah, and and looking at a woman who is travailing for a child, so much so that back in the chapter one, and you don't go there, but you you have Eli thinking that she's actually drunk because of the performance of what she's doing, praying for a child. And I'm looking at the bigger picture of this and going, 
God is not worried about what's happening with Eli and Hophni and Phineas. He doesn't like it and it's, it's dishonoring. It's not working the, the right things for, uh, for the ministry, so to speak. And yet he hears the cry of a woman who hasn't been able to conceive and have a child. And yet through her travail, she says, God, if you'll only give me a child, I'll give him to you. And you're going, wonder if he would have just blessed her with a child right away, would we have gotten the result that needed to happen in the miracle of Samuel? And so when I see this, I'm looking at a timing of God and a movement of God that I want us to pay attention to because I believe that same God does the same thing today. We get upset when things don't happen in our time. We get upset because we pray and we want it to happen right now. And many times it's said, well, God, you just believe that you receive and this is this is how it's going to happen. And I'm going, you know what? God has a bigger picture that I need to come into agreement with in understanding what he wants to do. And that's why I call this the miracle of Samuel coming into where Samuel is born. And then after he's weaned, he's given to Eli and 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 becomes the minister at, at, at such a tiny age. And then when we come into chapter three and we see that. Uh, Samuel's growing some. There's, there's different things happening. And, um, and, and then there's this, you know, describes, uh, Eli and says, you know, he's old and messed up and can't hardly do the work of the, of the ministry anymore. And then it comes into the place where God's begin to speak to, to Samuel. I find this, um, a very, very, very special time, and I'm, uh, I'll explain it as we go along. But the thing that I want us to really understand is, here's a young man that was given to the ministry. He was absolutely given to the priesthood to say, whatever needs to happen here, he's to serve the Lord in the midst of, of, of whatever needs to be done. And then I look at us in the New Testament, and I'm going, that's kind of what, wouldn't it say that, that if we were... I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God in, in Romans chapter 12, uh, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's uh, Romans chapter 12, 1, after seeing the big picture of Romans come into place. And you, you see this and you're going, man, if you guys can see the, the beautiful miracle of what God is doing here, it would compel you to come into agreement with his master plan. So here's, here's Samuel coming along. And if you, if you go into the next verses of first Samuel there, and it says, and the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here am I. But it says that this is between the time when they would light the lamp and then the lamp would be snuffed out. And so this was before the time when the lamp, so it's very early morning, before the lamp was going to be, be put out in the, in the, in the court there. And that Samuel is sleeping and Eli is sleeping and then he hears this voice. And we know that Samuel was very, very young. And I, I think it's interesting also that it says that, um, that Samuel actually had not become aware yet of the Lord. And, and, um, these verses that go down and say that, you know, he heard him and he heard him and he went into Eli and then he comes back. Eli says, go lay down. No, I didn't call you three times. He does this. And then it says that Eli on the fourth time, 
he perceived that God was speaking to, to Samuel. And I'm sorry if this is hard to follow. I like telling the story because I believe that sometimes we get into the verse by verse of things and the story is just this crazy part of a young person trying to decipher what it is that he's hearing, knowing that he's hearing something, not sure what he's hearing. And yet finally, the experienced one comes and says, you know, after three times, I'm not doubting that you're hearing a voice, but I'm not calling you. So let's deduce together that the voice you're hearing is God. So Eli gives him the instructions and says, the next time you hear it, just say, speak, Lord, in verse nine, for thy servant heareth. And Samuel went and laid down. I'm, I'm trying to put myself in this picture and look at this and say, God, how, how is it today? And, and what is it like that we could prepare our young people? How would it be if they were so accom- uh, uh, comfortable and, and, and having this idea that God speaks to children and young people so young sometimes that they wouldn't even perceive that they were hearing from God? And yet here's a story. And I'm not saying this has to be the rule in every situation. But does it say something about young people being able to hear the voice of God? Because I believe that Eli was very conscious of God wanting to speak, but not being able maybe to hear himself anymore because of what has happened and what has already been told him. And so I, I, I totally agree with that, Kevin. There, there are parts of this story that I think looking from the bigger picture, you see, God is a God of love and a God of mercy, but we see a lot of things in this Old Testament passage that God is very strongly a God of justice and judgment, uh, especially when it comes to protecting what he has promised. And so as we, as we go along and it says that, that uh, Samuel called out to God, and when he, when he spoke to him the fourth time, and it says that God began to tell him what he was going to do in Israel. And it says that it's going to be a big deal. Now, I'm trying to also, big picture again, picture Samuel at an age when he is so young, getting the download of something this momentous to hear, um, I'm going to judge Eli. I'm going to judge his house. I'm going to judge the priesthood. I'm going to do something so big that it's going to set everybody's ears, what the King James says, tingling. And just stay right there. That's good. In verse 13, for I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth because his sons made themselves vile and he restrained them not. Go on to the, to the next verse. And therefore, uh, I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. In other words, I'm not going to, we're past the day of repentance in this area. This is something that I've come to the end of the agreement with. Now, it's interesting because, you see, this isn't the first time that Eli is going to hear this. If you go back into chapter 2, and you don't have to turn there, but in verse 27, I believe that it says a man of God came to Eli and told him that his house was going to be judged. It says that, you know, that his sons are going to die in the same day. It, it says these things. And I think this is so important about how this word came in in 1 Samuel chapter 2, and then you come into 1 Samuel chapter 3, and, and this download comes into Samuel. 
because I believe that God has a way of making the ways of his house and his uh, desire for Israel to come to pass in ways that we would have not figured out. He has a validation process. So let's go on to verse 15 and 16. And Samuel lay until morning, opened the doors of the house, and Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. Anybody got a problem with that? Anybody going to get up and say, hey, I heard from God. I heard from God. And guess what? Eli, you're in big trouble. I mean, we have to remember how young Samuel is here and just go, oh, my word. What do you do with that? I'm trying to picture any of my children, now grandchildren, coming in in the morning and saying, hey, I I got good news and (laughs) I got bad news. I I think my, my grandkids would be just like this. Everything's good. Everything's normal. We're not going anywhere. And what happens? Eli calls Samuel. And he says, Samuel, you need to tell me what God said. And I'm going to tell you right now, I know you. your tendency is to hide it. But don't you hide anything from me because uh, if you do, I'm going to pray that it would come on you. And so therefore, you don't want that. So tell me everything. And then Samuel rehearses everything that um, God has spoken to him about how there's going to be a judgment, how there's going to be death, how all of these things are going to happen. That's the exact same thing that the man of God from 1 Samuel chapter 2 said to Eli. And you're right on the verse at verse 18. This is something that I believe that actually releases Eli. You know... I honestly, I can feel for Eli in a certain sense. You know, when you're born into ministry, so to speak, and this is how it was happening then, you have something that you have to fulfill. And now you've got two sons who are so, King James language, so vile, they called them the sons of Belial. They, they, these, these were the guys who were doing things that were not even... They weren't light ministry things. They were out, completely out in sin and working things that are terrible. And so Eli knows what's happening. What is Eli supposed to do now? And Eli finds himself in a box. That's why I respect this verse and maybe some others see it differently and you guys can feel free to comment with me. But Eli said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth good. This is, this is what I think, and then I'll ask you guys for your comments. I think Eli wanted to hear and know what Samuel heard to see if the voice of God was going to come in again and be a revelation that was going to say, all right, now I am released in some way from this because it's been my job to carry on something here. I mean, if Eli is old and blind, How is he supposed to carry this out? And yet, even though it's going to cost him, and he knows it, he says, that's the Lord. Let him do what seemeth good. You can get into places where you're, you're, you're really struggling because you're saying, God, I, I feel like, you know, you can almost get into that Elijah syndrome. God, I, I have done everything I know to do. And, and what if this doesn't happen? And how does this work? And what are we supposed to do here? And yet we don't realize that we've taken on something 
that God has a remedy for and he will bring things to pass because um, there there are parts of these stories and that's why I believe the big picture needs to be seen because parts of these stories represent an intervention in ways but it has to happen precisely at the time where it will work out. There has to be a Hannah who is, is travailing for a child long enough that she now says, I'll give him. There, there's your priest. There has to be this, this place where there's a meeting of the plan of God and a broken system. And yet in my understanding, it would almost be a release because Eli's going, what am I going to do? I didn't raise a natural heir to this. I, God, I'm, I'm next to death here. Where, where am I to go? And even the guilt, like Kevin said, and the shame, like Jeff said, we, we, we see this and we're going, God, I don't know what to do. And yet, right in front of us, here's the Samuel, even though very, very young, that's the Lord. Let him do what seems good. When I, when I see this, this is a release even in, in me, in my spirit. And I, I say that carefully. Because I believe that we live in a culture that is so strategic that we try to we, we strategize, we manipulate, we, we augment, we, we try to get God to do this and do this and do this. And what I haven't done very well at various times is back up for the big picture and say, God, what are you wanting to do? And what is my part in coming into the agreement with your big picture so that your purposes are established? Because I know this. I fail miserably at times. I, I can't do what I think needs to be done or I completely miss what I think needs to be done. And this is where I see an Eli. So when you're, when you're looking at this passage and you're seeing this, this certain part, I, I want us to come into that place where we see that God has intervened and Samuel recognizes it and Eli recognizes it doesn't have good, you know, uh, outcomes for Eli. But the idea is there will be a continuation. And I believe that for those of us who love ministry and love the, you know, the ways of God, that whole idea that thank you, God, that your ways are bigger than ours, that your thoughts are higher than ours and all these things. So then we, we come to the place where, um, you're going to move on into chapter four and, uh, the, the way that this works out, Israel goes to battle and, um, Samuel has been with them and they're, they're talking about this battle. The Philistines have, have been set out and, and, um, they have this place called Ebenezer and the Philistines pitched in a place called Aphek. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time in that area. Let's just walk through several verses in chapter 4. Verse 2 says, And the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel, and when they joined the battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines, and they slew the army in the field, about 4,000 men. We recognize in our own lives, and we're going to continue on in those verses, we recognize in our own lives there are times when we feel like defeat is imminent or we feel like god something's wrong we we we're not getting it we're really struggling here with what's the next thing to do well the the uh, children of israel came up with the idea then that there was something very strong and this is going to be the answer for what they did and so they come into verse three and say and when the people were come into the camp 
The elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us before the Philistines? Why has God allowed us to become prey to the Philistines? We're God's people. Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it comes among us, it may save us out of the hand of the enemies. The raiders of the lost ark have not yet come into being. But it's that kind of thing that, that all of this would seem as if all of the religious system has come into almost the magician's spell type thing where, well, God is in the box and so bring the box. And what's going to happen is this box is going to, it's going to part the waters. It's going to get water out of the rock. It's going to, it's going to do whatever we need it to do. The genie is here. Boy, did they learn a lesson at this time. And Hophni and Phineas were right there with the ark of the covenant of God. Just remember, ark of the covenant of God. And it came into the camp and Israel shouted with a great shout. And it says that even the Philistines heard them shouting and going, Oh no, what are they shouting about? What do they know that we don't know? And then they figured out that God has come in to the camp. They knew as much as the children of Israel did. And um, and then it says, and the Philistines were afraid, and they said, God's come into the camp. It's too bad for us. So here come the Philistines, and they get a pep talk. And they say, guys, this isn't going to be easy. But make sure that you fight like crazy, because you don't want to be servants to those people. They're going to take over if you're not careful. So get serious and be strong and tear them apart. And that's where they go. And what happens? Exactly what has been prophesied now happens. Hophni and Phinehas are taken and killed. The Ark of the Covenant is stolen from the children of Israel because there's such a great slaughter of the children of Israel. This isn't supposed to be able to happen. You know, in our Christianity today, bad things shouldn't happen to good people, right? Don't we just write books about that stuff? But how many times have we ridden on the coattails of the ark and wondered if, why didn't God come through? And yet it's almost like we pull it in ourselves to say, oh God, I recognize you. And these are things that I believe are written for our admonition that we might know what to think of it upon whom the ends of the world is come. Not only that, the, as the ark is taken, there's a messenger that heads out and heads back to Shiloh where... Eli is. And he runs back and he begins to announce what has happened on the battleground. And he says, the ark has been taken and, and Hophni and Phinehas are dead. And that begins to be noised abroad. And, and pretty soon it comes to the ears of Eli. And Eli says, bring that messenger in here. I want to know exactly what happened. And, and the man comes in to Eli and says, oh, Eli, he says, it's not good news from the battle. Today, there are things that have happened in the battlefield. Your sons both have died and the ark of God has been taken by the Philistines. Eli has heard the word of God twice. He heard from the man of God, and then he heard from the child of God. He heard from the man who came in, even the way it reads, almost unannounced to tell Eli of the judgment coming. And then he, 
hears of the vision and, and understanding of Samuel in the night, night speaking. And as he hears, it doesn't say that as he hears about his son, it says as he hears about the ark, that he fell off the seat backward by the side of the gate, broke his neck and died. For he was an old man and heavy, and he had judged Israel for 40 years. Then it goes into the story of Phineas' wife and how she is uh, pregnant with, you know, going to have a baby soon. It's about the time of her delivery. And when she hears that Hophni and Phineas are dead and the ark has been taken, she immediately goes into labor. And uh, those ladies who attend her um, are, are trying to keep her going. But it says about the time of her death in verse 20, the woman that stood by her. And so it, it would appear to us that she is now uh, dying in childbirth. And it, it seems that she has just enough energy to realize that she has born a son and she names the son is what I understand and calls the child Ichabod. And then she perishes also. Ichabod, the glory has departed or the glory is not here. And the, the, the belief that the ark of God carried the presence of God. And so now we are a nation without the presence of God. So what kind of nation are we? This is where the chapter ends in that sense. But here's what I want to go to. I've got a couple things that I want us to consider as we end chapters 3 and 4. There's so much in here that I think it's good for us to read it over and over. And yet I realize most of you and those who are listening on radio, you're trying to keep up with going through it day by day. And so it's not like you're going to sit in one place and study because there's so many places to sit and study. And yet... In these areas, I have to look at that 1 Corinthians 10 passage and say, okay, now all of these things, what admonition is it meant to bring to us? What understanding is it meant to bring to us so that we who are living out the last days take from those things which were in very early days, bring them into us and say, God, teach me, show me, give me understanding. And I think there's a number of things that we can look at. I think that one of the things that we can look at and say is, when in the midst of a very dark day, God can raise up a passionate person and God can bring the hardship of, of, a, of a family into a place where they're going to raise up a passionate one who will, in a sense, be a deliverer for the kingdom of God and bring them into a position of anointing. And yet, I, I think it's happening today. I, I see this happening around in a lot of ways. I think another thing that we can bring into for our admonition, so to speak, is the understanding that if he can't still speak to an old one, he can speak through a young one at times. And, and sometimes that young one will confound us and go, that's the Lord. It's not because I think that child is something, but the word that came out of that child, I recognize that something agrees in here and it's also a confirming voice. And therefore, this is the way of God. I think that's something that we can take into consideration for our day. Another thing that I think that we'll understand and need to understand is that God knows how to cancel a covenant with those who will not stay submitted to Him. And God knows how to walk His plan out when those who are supposedly walking with Him are not walking according to the plan. And I think in this day, 
This is something that we need to greatly consider. I look at all of us who are reading these scriptures. I look at those of us who are, who are trying to study and, and maybe for the very first time going in places in scripture because of revived school that we haven't been in before. And we look at this and going, God, teach me, show me. I, I know I hear it from other people, but show me. Give me that Samuel spirit that hears today what I need to hear and the voice that needs to speak. I look at this, that he can bring correction to a system that's broken, that looks like it's headed for a peril and bring in somebody who's going to change the whole aspect of it. In the chapters to come, you're going to find out that even when the ark is taken, it's not over. God knows what he's doing and it's going to work together for good, like Romans 8.28 says. So today, here's my challenge as we close down this segment. Let's look at these things that are written for our admonition and decipher what it is that God's speaking to me and say, God, what do you need me to do in this day so that I come into agreement with your plan? That's 1 Samuel chapter 3 and 4, and we'll be back with 5 and 6. 